Hi there, everyone. Uh, welcome to this uh, series. We're continuing with part two, a culture of generosity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you're teaching us with regards to being generous people and creating a culture of generosity. We ask, Lord, that you really deal with us in our hearts, that we would not be hard-hearted, we would not be tight-fisted, but we'll be a generous people. We acknowledge, Father God, that you are the one who gave. God so loved the world that he gave, and we want to be big givers like you are, Lord. We want to give like you give from a pure heart. Open our hearts, Lord, and help us to learn about this. Impart something to us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to continue. And as we talk about giving, I want to encourage you to examine your heart and to ask yourself, what is thwarting my generosity? What is thwarting my generosity? What is squashing my generosity? And I want to encourage you to conduct that generosity audit that I spoke about last week. Conduct it on yourself. You know, is it fear of lack that stops you from being generous? Is it past abuse where perhaps people have abused your good nature? Is it a judgmental mindset you have on the recipients, the potential recipients, where you're like, they don't deserve anything from me and you've started to play God in a self-righteous way? Or is it just indecisiveness? You don't want to miss God and so you're wondering, should I give to this person, this person or that person, this church, that church or that church? And then you freeze and you don't end up being generous. So ask yourself, what stops you from giving? And then also, what stops you from giving in the right manner? Because remember, the motives are really important. We want to do the type of giving that is registered in heaven. And we see throughout scripture that there's some giving that's registered in heaven as a memorial, and then there's some giving that is not. So I shared with you five things last week, five things that generous people do differently. And I'm going to continue now with the sixth one. Generous people give for the audience of one. This is so crucial to understand. Generous people give for the audience of one. And who's that audience? It's God. In Matthew 6, verses 1 through to 4, it says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Powerful. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. So when it's talking about your righteousness, it's talking about certain virtues that you have. It could be your giving. It could be your praying. It could be your fasting. And we see this when Jesus unpacks this. He's talking about multiple things, giving, praying, fasting. Don't do it to be seen by others. And don't we also often do that kind of thing. Oh, I hope they know this about me so they'll respect me more. I hope they see me doing this so they see that I'm actually a nice guy. Okay? And we're so concerned about managing impressions. He goes on to say something interesting. Jesus says, if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. In other words, if we are looking to create our own reward system, God leaves us to that. And he's like, well, that's what you want, so just do it. For example, you have a lot of organizations who donate, and it's wonderful when they do so. But the main reason is it's a part of a PR campaign, right? It's part of public relations, right? Hey, when we give this, please put our banner over here so everyone knows that we've done that, right? That's their reward. That's their reward, okay? Their publicity becomes their reward. But very often as believers, that's what we do. 
right? We make all sorts of things public with the wrong motive. He says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. They've received their reward in full. God isn't saying, I'm going to go out and punish them. I'm going to do... No, they're still doing a good thing, but they've chosen their reward management system. Okay. And I think this, I think this is interesting. He says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Why? Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know what excites me about this? Look how many times Jesus in this passage uses the word reward. There is a reward system. God sees what you do in secret and you can choose. Do you want your reward to be the honor you get from people or do you want God to come up with his own reward for you. Just think about that. I want a reward from God. Now, I'm not saying to you that you can never tell someone something that you did because, you know, you, maybe you want to teach someone. You know, there are times when we want to model something for our kids and we say, hey guys, this is what we're going to do. This is what we did. And look how God came through. But ultimately, God is getting the glory. You know, there have been times when I might say, hey guys, I was believing for such and such a thing so that I could give into this situation. And look what God did. You know, I've got a recent example of um, committing to give into a particular situation. And on the day that I made that commitment and told the recipients about it, I get a particular email. And in that email, it's, um, it's basically saying, Paul, can you do A, B, C, D for us, which is three times as much as what I had committed to actually uh, give. And for me, it was a classic example. It was in a particular currency uh, that's a favorable currency. And, it was a, and both were in that, by the way, what I, what I was committing to sow and what I then reaped. And it was a classic example of God having my back. And I, sh I, I, I share that example, not to come across spiritual, not to be honored by man, but to teach people how it works. When you make covenants with God, when you say from this particular client or from this particular business project, this is what I'm going to do. And so I've sometimes shared those types of stories as I'm mentoring and coaching people around that. Okay. But the heart is deceitful. Sometimes we can share those stories, but underhandedly we want people to admire us so we need to guard our hearts the context also here is not talking about tithing okay so there's nothing wrong with putting your name on a tithing envelope or um, on a tithing reference and so on it's only the people involved in the administration of the church finances, for example, who will know that, oh, you've done that. You've given in that particular situation. If you don't want to uh, put your name to it, that's also fine. You know, it's not, it's not like there's a verse that says you must, you know, always put your name to it. It helps us to kind of see like, okay, here's the consistency, here's what's happening and so on. It helps us obviously when people put their name to something. If someone then leaves the church, then we know, oh, okay, that's the amount in terms of tithe that things are going to drop by, all right? If someone is going through a hard time business-wise and that amount isn't coming, oh, we understand, this is why, all right? So administratively, it's useful knowing, but you also don't have to. This is talking about when you give to the needy. 
if you're paying someone's school fees, you don't have to announce to everyone saying, I'm, paid, I'm paying this person's school fees, okay, to get the glory, right? So when you do something for someone else, you do not have to announce it to the whole world for people to respect you. And what we're seeing is that today, so many people are forfeiting their heavenly reward because they want the praise of man. They're forfeiting their heavenly reward because they want the praise of man. Okay. <clears throat> I want to share with you the next one. It's number seven. Generous people give in times of lack. Generous people give in times of lack. Again, this is crucial to really understand. The generous person gives even in their place of lack. You see, it's not about how much money they have, but it's their heart condition. And when you're a generous person, you find yourself giving even when you've just got a little bit. When you're immature like a child, you have that mindset kids have. You know, where they say, oh, they took my last one. You know, there's that mindset. It's like, oh, they took the last chip that was here. Oh, they took the last sweet that was in the packet. And I'm like thinking, what's so special about the last one? You know, it's that mindset that says you can only give when you've got a lot. But when you've got a little bit, no one must take your last one. All right. Now look what Jesus says in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through to 44. And this shows me that Jesus would observe people's offerings, right? And how they would give. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. So did they give a lot? Yes, technically speaking, it was a lot. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And what I find so powerful about this is it shows me how heaven measures our giving. You see, many people will give lots of money, lots of things, but they're giving from their surplus. And there's nothing wrong with that, okay? I'll show you a bit later on the importance of giving from your surplus. But Jesus is showing that this lady is a percentage of what she actually had. When you look at what she had left, it was sacrificial giving. And so there's a blessing, a greater blessing, when it comes to sacrificial giving, giving sacrificially. You see, some people have been besieged in their minds by the enemy to think that they have little, and they decide to wait to give until they have more money. Not realizing that sometimes when you have more money and you give those large amounts, okay, from your surplus, the way heaven sees it is not necessarily that it's more than when you give from a place of lack. It's so important to understand this because there's a type of conceit that develops in a lot of people where they think they're giving more than they're actually giving from heaven's perspective. Yes, their giving makes a difference to the church. Yes, the giving uh, has impact on many people and changes lives and so on, right? I'm not minimizing that. But what I'm saying is from a heart perspective, let's check our hearts and let's make sure that we're also giving sacrificially and that we don't become conceited saying, I'm the biggest giver here, I'm the biggest giver here because heaven might not be describing you as that, okay? 
Now, I know lots of people, I know of lots of people who've got lots of money and they also give lots of it away from a percentage perspective, okay? So, what a lot of people do not realize is that God increases you from the little that you give. If you wait for that one day when you have the money, that day is not likely to come, all right? Day is not likely to come. In fact, when that day comes, you'll find that you'll still be a stingy person in terms of your giving, you see. And then if you're that person who decides only to pray for people and you never give, you're missing out on a certain part of God's blessing, you see. Sometimes when we pray into situations, we need to be asking the question, Lord, am I the answer to my own prayer? Because the honest truth is sometimes it's easier and doesn't involve a lot of sacrifice when you just pray a simple prayer like, oh Lord, please bless that brother. Oh Lord, please bless that brother. But are you willing to give into that situation? Very important to understand that. You see, Jesus looked at the heart and not the amount. And so we must be careful of discouraging people from giving by saying to them things like, um, what will you have left for yourself? You know, sometimes we've got that mindset. No, you can't give that away. It's too nice. You know, you hear people saying that. Oh, but you liked that shirt. I remember someone saying that recently and they said, well, but that's, that's the whole point. I liked the shirt and that's why I'm giving it away. Because you can give things that you like. And sometimes in our narrative, we've got this thing of, oh, I, I, I don't fit it into it anymore. So therefore I can give it away. Oh, 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 it's now old. Hey guys, look for some of your old clothes. Look for some of the stuff that you don't like anymore. No, you can also give the things that you do like, the things that are still good quality, and you honor people by giving to them. You know, you honor those orphans by giving them some of the things that you actually liked, not just the things that uh, you would never wear again, you know, because they're so old and tatty. So Jesus affirmed this kind of giving, and we've been called to love others as we love ourselves. Sometimes that's known as the golden rule, you know, love others as you love yourself. And we, let's be honest, we love ourselves, don't we? We really look after ourselves, we protect ourselves, we get ourselves the nicest stuff very often, all right? So my question to you is, what do you have in your hand? Is it two fishes? Is it, is it five loaves? You know, because God can multiply it, whatever you've got. He can multiply it. And here's the interesting thing. We all have something. We all have something. Don't compare what you have with what other people have. Okay? Just ask, what do I have, Lord? What do I have? And he'll actually show you. He'll say, oh, remember that thing. Oh, remember this. And sometimes what you have is actually a talent. It's actually craftsmanship. Right? And that's something you can give. Remember, we give of our time. We give of our talent. We give of our treasure. Give what you've got. It's amazing how far it goes. The eighth thing that generous people do differently is that generous people trust church leadership in the allocation of their resources after they've given. This is so, so important. This is so important. In Acts chapter 4, verses 34 through to 35, it says that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now we're talking about large amounts of money, right? Imagine in your church that was happening regularly. People are selling land, they're selling houses, right? 
and didn't say they then kept the money and decided what to do with it. They actually brought it to the apostles' feet, right? And that's the equivalent of bringing it to the storehouse, bringing it to the local church, bringing it uh, before the local church elders and saying, this is what I'm sowing, right? And it was known who was doing it, right? Oh, this person sold a piece of land and he's come with the money. It's known. It wasn't really a secret. And then that money was distributed, right, to those who were in need. And it's important for us to have very strong outreach programs where we're doing things for the poor if we want to be like the early church. Now, they didn't try to control who got what. They didn't try to control how that money was used. It was acknowledged that there are certain people who were designated with that authority to make that decision. It was a governmental function in the local church. So it is foolish to be critical in this area when one doesn't actually know the details. You know, some people will come and say, oh, how come you bought that? You don't know how much money was made available for it. Okay, there are other times when people will actually donate specifically to a particular cause. Okay, and so you pour in funds into that particular thing. So be very careful about being critical when you don't have all the information. Secondly, it's often a sign of stinginess and conceit. Okay, uh, when people do that, when people try to control where the money goes. All right, and I say stinginess because often if you're the kind of person who's given, but you've given from a generous heart, you're like, oh, you guys decide. But when you give and you want something in return, often the thing you want in return is the power to control, all right? The respect, the recognition. And that's a sign of stinginess. And that, that ends up being your reward, whatever honor you get from man. So stingy people give, expecting that they have now bought the rights to control church leaders. And this happens a lot. Fortunately, it doesn't really happen in our church, but I've seen it happening a lot in churches. Okay? There's some people who do not trust church leadership such that they don't actually give offerings in church and they, they feel justified. They're like, yeah, because of what we saw over there and because of what we saw over there. But they're the ones who rob themselves from the blessing and they're the ones who end up getting bitter. Okay? They would rather give the money themselves to whatever cause they desire. See, so the generous believer understands that there is a blessing in bringing the whole tithe to the storehouse. And when they give, they don't feel the need to control how the money will be used. You see, I think that's so important and I really wanted to emphasize that. And I like the fact that the generous people who are being described in the book of Acts were giving considerable amounts of money and they were not afraid to hand over their money. Imagine how much it would have been. It was lands, it was houses, right? You see, when some people give a considerable amount of money to the church, they feel like because of the amount it is, they feel like they have to have a discussion with the pastors, you know, on how the money should be used because of the amount. Just be careful of that. The ninth thing I want to share with you about what generous people do differently is that generous people give in proportion to their increase. This is an important principle. Generous people give in proportion to, the, to their increase. In Deuteronomy 16, verse 17, the Bible says, Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. And if we're honest with ourselves, very often we give gifts, we bring gifts, but it's not in proportion to the way God has blessed us. And sometimes this is because we're not aware of how much God has just blessed us by. Other times it's because we don't give thanks to the Lord. 
so we're not conscious of how greatly we've been blessed other times it's because we just plain old stingy okay uh, we bound by the fear of lack so we receive that breakthrough finance that we've been wanting and we're now afraid to part with some of it it's so important to understand where is it coming from in the first place the God who's blessing you right now in this very moment do you not think he can do so again and again and again you see for me, the mindset I want to live with all the days of my life is understanding that, God, if you can do this one thing, then you can do it over and over again, many times over. And I want to be in that place where I'm trusting you for more. Therefore, let me be trustworthy with this that God has blessed me with. You see? Um, so is this reflected in your giving? You know, this whole concept of giving proportionally. Right? Many people are impressed with their giving as they begin to experience increase, but their giving is not proportionate to their increase. You know, Sometimes we've got this mindset to give loose change to the church or to someone who's struggling. Examine where you were financially before and where you are now. God has increased you. If God has given you increase, it should also translate in your giving. Because each one must give in proportion to how much God has blessed them. Now we know that a tithe is literally 10% of your income. And the Bible speaks in the book of Malachi in chapter 3, and I spoke, this, I spoke on this uh, last week, of how the tithe goes to the storehouse, which is your local church, okay, where you are fed. Offerings are over and above the tithe, and it's as God leads you in various places. Now, this is where it's important to have a spirit of generosity, not to just give the bare minimum, you see. Your offering can also go to special projects, which include the poor. And the poor can be poor relatives, it can be people you don't know, it can be um, uh, school children who are in need, it can be a friend in need, right? And that's where your different offerings can go. So you're not responsible for everyone. But remember why God is prospering you. And that's why we speak of the concept prosperity with a purpose. That's kingdom prosperity. It's prosperity with a purpose. One of the prayers that's so powerful to pray that I'm going to pray right now is, Lord, may this giving break me into a new dimension of increase. I'm tired of stagnation. I'm tired of this level. I've been here for too long. And when we've got this mentality, God breaks us through in our finances. The tenth thing that generous people do differently is generous people give willingly and cheerfully. If you want your giving to be registered in heaven, make sure you're doing it willingly and cheerfully. If your parents are doing the giving for you as a child or forcing it upon you and so on, don't think there's necessarily a blessing for that, okay? It's when you do it willingly, so your will must be involved. If you're in a church where they're very coercive about giving and you do it under pressure, under duress, don't think there's a blessing for that because you're not doing it willingly. Your will is not involved. I'm telling you, there's power in your will, right? The fact that scripture shows us that we must give willingly and cheerfully. I need to reflect on myself and say, what's my makeup right now? In terms of my giving and that's why it's so important to prepare your heart before you give because the blessing is greater when the heart condition is healthier 
This is crucial to understand. The blessing is greater on the giving, right? When the heart condition is healthier, when you are giving. So important to understand this, okay? In 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, or 1 Chronicles, I beg your pardon, chapter 29, verse 9, it says, the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. So there's an atmosphere of joy, okay? But these people had given freely and wholeheartedly. God values that. In Psalm 27 verse 6, it says, Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. Doesn't say I will sacrifice in misery. Doesn't say I will sacrifice weeping. It says I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I'll do it joyfully. When last did you give a sacrificial gift? Were you full of joy when you did so? Okay. I will sing and make music to the Lord. And I'm telling you now, you can only truly do that when you understand that the harvest is always greater than the sacrifice. The harvest is always greater than the sacrifice. Yes, you might give something that causes you hurt and pain because it's just so much. But when you're fully aware of the magnitude of the harvest, there's a deep joy in you because you've, your mindset is, I can't wait for my breakthrough. We'll see what God will do. Lord, surprise me one of these days. When you give, you are you giving based on coercion from someone else? Or are you giving from your heart willingly with rejoicing? You see, God is very interested in how we give. The eleventh thing that generous people do differently is that generous people give to those to whom it is due. Again, very important. Generous people give to those to whom it is due. If someone works for you, you need to pay them their wages, right? In 1 Timothy 5, 18, says, do not muzzle the ox and laborers are worthy of their wages. So if someone is around you and they have wages due to them, then you give them. And we need to move away from this thing where we're very generous in our family structure or very generous in our church structure but if we're an employer, we're stingy, okay? Because um, that, that is very problematic and it shows you the nature of your heart. It's not consistent. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Husbands, honor your wife as the weaker vessel, meaning that there is an honor that is due to your spouse. There's an honor that is due to specific people. And we must give honor where honor is due. We must give financially, verbally, in terms of verbal honor, all right, time to whom it is due. Very important, you see. Now, there is also honor that is due to those that are over you in the Lord. And I've taught on this uh, before quite comprehensively when I taught on uh, the whole issue of honor, biblical honor, and there's a book on that that uh, I did a few months ago on biblical honor and that's quite important right so the bible explains it to elders who direct the affairs of the church especially those who do the work of teaching and preaching and we see that in first timothy chapter 5 verse 17 and my responsibility is to explain to you the word of god for your own blessing not for my benefit for your own blessing it is important 
that we do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in our power to give. That's Proverbs 3 verse 27. The Bible in Exodus 20 verse 12 says to honor your mother and father. And the word used for honor in this verse literally means to place weight upon, to place weight upon. So it's interesting because when the Bible talks about double honor to elders, especially those who do the work of preaching and teaching, the context there is actually financial. It's actually financial. It's in plain sight. People can see that. Okay. And the word honor literally means to place weight upon. So you honor someone by listening to their opinion, for example. You honor someone by how you give to them, right? You honor someone by how you uh, make space for them, right? And defer to them in certain situations. So we can literally unpack what honor looks like. But your life will be largely determined by how you honor and who you honor, okay? If I place weight on certain things in my life, for example, honoring the Bible, that will determine the direction of my life, right? Generous people give to those to whom it is due. So important, so important. So whether you like your parents or not, you need to place weight on them. You see, honor does not take place whether the person deserves it or not, right? Now, respect and honor are not exactly the same thing. That's why sometimes you can say, oh, I lost respect for person X and so on. But the Bible actually commands us to honor certain people. Right. And when we honor those particular people, it's not based on, oh, my, my mom spoke nicely to me today as, as part of my reward system. Let me do something for her. OK. The Bible says honor your mother and father. There's some people who haven't experienced complete breakthrough in their lives right now because they've harbored such resentment towards their parents. They haven't forgiven their parents. You know what? There are times you will do certain things for your parents, even if they irritate you, even if they're manipulative, even if they've gossiped around you, you're doing it, not even primarily for them. You're doing it because you're an honorable person who honors the word of God. All right? This is so crucial. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says, stop honoring your parents just yeah, because they did A, B, C, D. No, there's an honor that's due to them. Now, based on the nature of your relationship with all these people, whether it's uh, your pastors or your parents or various people we're called to honor, right? Uh, they're things that they do to us, sometimes not great, sometimes great, okay? And that affects the quality of the relationship. But there's still a degree of honor we've been called to give these people. So I want to ask you a question. How do you rank people in your life? How do you rank people in your life? It's so interesting to see who people honor, you know, on special birthdays, when that person has a birthday, you know, uh, or they have a wedding. That's when they begin to say things about people. We've been to weddings, we've read birthday messages and things like that, where people are saying they want to thank this person, this person, that person, etc. Some weddings you sort of listen, and of course you'll be hoping they'll be saying something also about their pastor and so on. And sometimes that's like just, you know, it's a side comment, if any comment at all. And it shows you where they rank you in their lives. Sometimes people will have birthday messages and they'll thank every single person, including the neighbor's dog, but there's no mention of their pastor. And that says something to you about where you're ranked in their lives, okay? Unless it was just an oversight. I'm saying these things so that we understand about honor because there's a link between your giving and, you, and honor. One of the ways we demonstrate honor is through our giving, okay? 
Um, you also see this, by the way, not just with pastors, but you also see it in terms of you know people thanking everyone, their local heroes, etc., but not saying anything about their parents. Okay, you see that happening. The twelfth thing that generous people do differently is that generous people give what is left over. So they also give from their surplus. Not all giving has to be sacrificial giving. All right. In Luke three, verse eleven, it says, John answered. Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. What is it talking about? Hey, if you've got anything extra, right, be willing to give it. Be willing to give it away. So it's important for us to also give when we have surplus. You might have cupboards full of shoes that you don't even wear. I normally fall in love with certain pairs of shoes in my cupboards and I stick to them. Hey? I stick to those, that particular pair or three or four pairs at a time. right? I stick to those for a season. So this means there can be a whole lot of shoes in my cupboard that are lying around and they're not being worn. It's much better to just give them away. right? Give them away until I'm tired of these ones that I'm wearing now and then I'll replace them at a later date. Right? But some people have got so many clothes, you know, instead of hoping to lose weight one day, okay, maybe we should do that. We should hope to lose weight. But instead of just staying in that space where you're saying, I'm hoping to lose weight so that I'll just, you know, I can fit into that outfit of mine. Why don't you give away those clothes and then buy yourself new ones when you uh, have lost the weight, when you've actually lost the weight, okay? At least your new clothes will be in fashion, right? <laughs> I'm just teasing. But the point I'm making is be willing to give from your surplus. What are you not using? Other people could use that, right? Something that's just been in your wardrobe for months and months and months that has no sentimental value, but it's just there, right? Maybe someone else can benefit from it. We need to be generous people. It's more blessed to give than to receive. When you see the look on that person, when they get those nice quality clothes from you and they're just rejoicing and you've really made their day, how has your life changed? It hasn't changed. You're giving from your surplus. The 13th thing that generous people do differently is that generous people give to those that teach them. This is so important. You see, giving is one of the ways to honor, yes, pastors or whoever teaches you. It could even be a small group leader, right? In Galatians 6, verse 6, it says, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. In the NLT it says this, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. I want to encourage you, be generous towards those who teach you as the Bible instructs us here. So the Bible instructs us in this particular way, to be generous to those who teach us. And I'm not saying this to you uh, for any personal gain. I don't need anything from you per se, right? But I'm saying this so that you experience the blessing of God and we need to teach and preach the whole counsel of the Lord instead of leaving out scriptures because, oh, people might misunderstand you. Let me leave out the scripture because they might not. No, this might be your breakthrough, what I'm sharing with you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, it says, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? And this was Paul, who was a tent maker, right? So that he wouldn't burden the churches. 
but he still so his motives were very pure in this particular era but he still said in the same way the lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel this is first corinthians chapter 9 verse 14. isn't that powerful and chapter 9 and verse 11 he says if we have sown spiritual seed among you is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you right now he was very involved with the church at corinth and he could speak with that type of authority i want to encourage you to be generous give to pastors in the church give to uh, uh, some of the leaders you know your small group leaders you know they teach you something and it's powerful and it changes your life be generous towards them it makes a difference in what they're doing and they will appreciate it but there's also a blessing and there's a command in scripture around it you see often it is easier for people to give to an institution than to a person have you noticed that often it's easier for people to give to an institution than to a person sometimes you can give to your spiritual leaders in creative ways like offering to babysit if they've got little kids small kids you know it's so sad today you see pastors just struggling they want to go and preach there they want to do this but they've got little kids and they can't go together as a couple because half the time this one is doing a school run this one is doing another school run sometimes you can offer hey let me teach your kids this oh are they struggling with this language hey i can step in i'm used to that language i can actually teach them that hey oh do you need your kids to be taken to oh, are they going to soccer training oh but i thought that oh but saturday you're doing that seminar and they've got soccer let me step in and let me see if i can assist they've got football on what day oh let me help right it's that creative way of helping pastors and leaders and those who are feeding into you god sees that what do you have in your hands paul highlights this as a command from the lord despite the fact that he was tent making right just not to be a burden to the churches and i know that many church leaders have abused this but we should not have reactionary theology we should just preach what's in the word reactionary theology is where you stop preaching things or you preach the other extreme because you've seen the abuses we need to look at the balance that's in the word so in a couple of weeks we will continue with um, what generous people do differently all right right up until we've reached all 20 um, but next weekend of course we've got our easter sunday message which i think is going to be very very powerful we've got Stuart bishop who will be sharing with us and i think you'll really love that particular message the following week we will also have our celebration our 11th anniversary as go christian church uh, the centurion church the centurion congregation uh, 11th anniversary and my wife will be preaching a powerful message uh, to do with thanksgiving to do with uh, just recognizing what the lord has done and how far he's brought us and i really encourage you to be a part of that it'll be great if you can actually join us at the royal elephant hotel for that particular celebration i think it's going to be very powerful we'll have a documentary around what god has done in the history of our church and in the week after that i will continue with this particular series um, god bless you father may you help us to be a generous people we open our hearts to you and we ask for your assistance May you deal with us from the inside out, Lord. May you deal with our hearts, Lord God, where we've been proud, where we've been conceited, where we've overestimated how generous we actually are. We ask for your cleansing and your forgiveness, and we pray that your truth would run deep in our inner persons in this area. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I encourage you to attend our prayer meetings and uh, to be involved in what we are doing. God is doing amazing things in this hour. It's so exciting to be meeting again in person also and to just see people being added, people being added to our fellowships. Thank you.